Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast. I'm Will. That's not Blake. And this is the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. Um, yeah, let's get this out of the way. So unfortunately, my illustrious, handsome co-host Blake is not here with us today. He unfortunately has COVID. And as you may or may not know, I've been out of town in Iceland, which is that combined with him getting sick is the reason this is coming out so late. We were hoping we could still maybe make something happen, but you know, life happens. So today you get to be blessed with me and Jeremy round two with Jeremy. We might have to make him a permanent addition. Um, so yeah, <laughs> um, this episode is going to be uh, a little bit shorter than normal. There won't be the typical discussion section, even though Jeremy is honestly very verbose and just a deep thinker. He actually has some probably great insights on this episode, but he's a little shy. So because of that, I will just be doing the recap and that'll pretty much be it for this episode of the Pixels podcast. Um, Blake will hopefully be feeling better soon and we will definitely return to a more regularly scheduled programming, more typical episode here for um, this next Critical Role episode, which it is Thursday today, so it is airing tonight. Um, so you might be seeing, you know, your normal Pixless duo here in a, just a couple days, hopefully. Um, what else? Um, the giveaway. So yeah, those of you who've been keeping up with the channel, we are doing a giveaway at 1,000 subscribers. We actually hit 1,000 subscribers right before I left for Iceland. Um, so we were going to figure that out once I got back. Uh, we wanted to do it today, but I just, I'd rather do it with Blake here. Um, so please forgive us. Um, that will probably be announced in our next episode, which again, should be in the next few days, hopefully. Um, so look forward to that. And I guess, uh, if you're still not subbed, you still have a chance to win that. Um, anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, again, just my apologies for, you know, uh, <laughs> for bringing Jeremy in here, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. So anyway, if you're new to us, this is, <laughs> this is going to be interesting for anyone watching the new, the recap that's new to us. We like to do a recap of each Google roll episode and cut that out and host it separately on YouTube for your viewing convenience. Um, if you find yourself on that video, you're like, what is this man doing? Talking to a stuffed dinosaur. Don't really have a good answer for that, but if you want to check out our channel, you can maybe piece that together yourself. I normally have a different co-host, but we're just going to leave that a mystery for anyone that stumbled across this video. Um, but anyway, we talk every episode of Critical Role, recap and discuss it. Check out the channel. Bada boom, bada bang. Let's jump into it. No more stalling. Um, and let's jump into it. <laughs> uh with today's episode of Critical Role, episode 32. The title is out, but I actually don't have it in front of me. So sans title. Um, so we kick up in the first half with the party traveling back to Basras and arriving without issue. Bertie says her goodbye to Fern and the crew and, you know, says, if you need anything, don't hesitate to ask. And Orem basically reciprocates that saying, we'll be here for a little while. So, you know, just find us if you or Ollie need anything or get in any trouble. Uh, the party then discusses Dancer and what to do about this. And they go back and forth on how it should be handled. But ultimately, 
They land on Imogen sending a message and saying to Dancer that they have captured her automaton and that if she wants to salvage anything from it, they can meet up. Dancer responds and is interested which automaton they're speaking of, but tells them that she is at the nearby Revel and Break, which is a bar in the undercarriage of Basarus. So the group takes off FCG's buzzsaw in order to hopefully placate Dancer before heading toward the bar. Um, FCG also decides to stay outside the bar with Fern, while uh, Chet and Ladna each watch like one of the entrances and exits of this bar, and Ashton decides to kind of stay in front. Um, meanwhile, Orem and Imogen are actually the ones that go in to speak with Dancer. Uh, Orem goes in, places the buzzsaw down, and you know, obviously Dancer immediately knows which automaton now, and she also reacts, kind of re-experiencing some trauma. Imogen noticing this cast detect thoughts and kind of feels what she's feeling in this moment and feels fear and sadness, but she also feels moments of joy and kinship. Um, <clears throat> the three then discuss FCG and their respective incidents, uh, how he just kind of went berserk on them. And Imogen then asks how Dancer originally got FCG. And Dancer talks about how she bought them from this salvager, a wandering trader that wore some sort of mask. And she opened up FCG and didn't really do much um, full-on replacing. She just reconnected wires that were unconnected and FCG came back. And Dancer and her host of companions that she had, other automatons, decided they wanted to try adventuring themselves. They made a bit of a name for themselves, but then the incident happened and Dancer lost everything. Orm then admits that uh, FCG actually is not dead. He's actually with them and they care about him and he wants to talk to Dancer and would Dancer be okay with that? Dancer takes a big old swig of her glass and agrees. So they all make their way outside and FCG and Dancer talk for the first time, kind of awkwardly ca catch up a little bit. You know, FCG is like smiley day to you. Are you still having bad dreams? Yada, yada. Um, Dancer's like, this was a bad idea. Kind of turns away, but ultimately comes back. And FCG's like, you know what? You, you are the one that created me. Like I'm yours. If you, I'll go with you if that's what you want. And Dancer says, no, that that's not what I want. And FCG wants to earn her forgiveness but she's not ready she says you need to figure out yourself first um fcg says that you know they don't remember what happened and asks if dancer could fill them in and she says that fcg just snapped killed all of the division which was their adventuring party and almost killed her and fcg asks is there any way to shut me down like i don't want to hurt my new friends um and dancer says yeah there's this runic cable that's glowing inside of you and that were to be dismantled or damaged it would take a whole lot to bring you back um she then decides to give the buzzsaw back they had kind of given it to her to decide what to deal with and so she gives it back to the party and the party ultimately gives it back to fcg and dancer goes her own way um the party then decides to head to imahar joe's to see if they can figure out any more about fcg as he is you know kind of the resident expert um, at Joe's, Chetney first buys a bunch of paints, uh, it's a whole little moment, uh, but the, for the sake of brevity, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, and then they begin to ask about FCG and, <clears throat> and about the wanderer who sold FCG. Joe doesn't remember much, just that, uh, the same metal mask that Dancer described and also that his name started with a D and, uh, 
he admits that these goods are actually the basis of most of the crawlers that he's built now. All that old, you know, Aormaton tech. Um, they then ask if Joe would mind opening up FCG and taking a look, seeing what he could decipher. And Joe is super excited about this. Uh, so Joe opens them up and immediately inside there's like these runic engravings and these pipes in just his middle area, which, you know, where he eats metal. And what that is, they find out, is this like transmutation magic that converts whatever is in there into energy elsewhere. Um, he then probes further inside and sees this glowing cable that, you know, Dancer had referenced, which is his power core. And there are more runes. Um, they try to decipher the runes, but no one really can. Ladna even gets Delilah to take a look at it, but she's like, this this does not interest me. Um, so they're taking a look and they're like, hey, FCG cast like a damaging spell. Let's see if anything inside of you, you know, is different. Like your eyes go red or whatever. So he does, he casts Sacred Flame on Ashton and there is like, you can tell there's magical energy happening within him, but there's nothing drastically different. Like he doesn't go berserk. The runes don't turn a bright red or anything. Um, just the same magic that seemingly is already happening. Um, so they then decide like, can you look in his head? And there's no really like easy access to the head. So they don't do that. And uh, Joe actually leaves and comes back with this book called the care and the culling, which describes an event where automatons were gifted as caretakers uh, to different political Aeorians and the like, but they were actually sleeper agents that were to be activated and then actually kill the people that they were caring for. Um, and so they think this is probably what FCG is, why he snapped. He's one of these like sleeper Aeormatons. Um, <clears throat> so they discussed that for a bit. And then uh, Imogen's actually like, hey, I'm going to detect thoughts on you, Joe, if that's okay, so I can see if I can get a better look at this D person. He agrees, and so she does. And she doesn't learn too much more, but, you know, sees the same person they've been describing with this metal mask and also sees that he is with this automaton beast of burden. It's presumably, you know, carrying his cart of wares. And that D definitely keeps his distance in this memory from Joe. Uh, definitely always stood kind of far away. Um so it doesn't learn too much, but gets a little bit. Um, FCG and Joe then kind of talk about, and the whole party is involved with this as well. Like, what is your purpose? Do you want to be a healer? You know, and FCG's like, yeah, but he's torn, you know, obviously. And is kind of lost right now. And so Joe goes and gets this token of the change bringer, one of the gods. And he says, it's been a source of inspiration for me. Maybe it can help you. If you ever feel lost, maybe she can help guide you and gives him this token. And that's actually where we go to break on the first half. Uh, Jeremy, would you like to take the second? I got it. All right. So in the second half, we pick up with Bell's Hells heading back to the Paragon's Call. They discuss if they should hide Imogen from Odahan or not. Uh, since, you know, Imogen's been seeing Odahan in her dreams. They're like, is that working both ways? Like, should we disguise you? Um, they're discussing that. And they're also discussing Fern being rudest born. They're like, do you have any dreams like Imogen's been having? And she's like, yeah, I dream, but nothing like what Imogen's described. Um, and as they're walking, uh, Orem actually notices Artana Vo, who was the bounty hunter that they encountered earlier in the campaign, uh, the one that actually captured Kirch. Orem ducks away from the group and begins to follow her, but she soon notices. He's like, oh, hey. <laughs> and he's like, why are you here? And Artana says she's visiting a friend. And Orm obviously can tell that there's more to it than that. But he's like, okay, gotcha. And they each go their separate ways. He meets back up with the Bell's Hells, and they're wondering why she might be there. 
they then arrive at the Paragon's call and Imogen kind of just puts her hood up and that's going to serve as her disguise, try to lay low for now. Uh, Ratanish quickly meets them and says, you've come at a great time. Uh, like most of the call is about to be on this mission. We have to go do some stuff. So we're going to need you guys to stay here and kind of watch the base while we're gone. Um, you've got room and board at your disposal. There's an armory. And we also maybe got some uniforms for you, some capes. Um, and they, amongst the people here, they noticed a few people that were at the Jusar Ball, including this minotaur named Rockmend that comes to give them a tour. And as he's showing them around in the armory, Fern asks for a small weapon and actually gets a little tiny throwing dart to give to Mr. Uh, the party finds out from Rockman that there are three floors and a basement in this base. Uh, about 40 soldiers inside, 20 to 50 amongst the city. Um, and then there's some in other cities. So probably about two to 300 members of the call total. And Odahan oversees all of it. Uh, he then hands everyone these mustard yellow capes as part of their uniform and continues the tour. Uh, tells them just to get familiar with the place and, you know, to watch out while they're gone. Uh, the party then heads back downstairs, and the call is loading up this mammoth crawler for their mission that they're about to go on. Uh, Ashton and Chetney help to load it up before this approaching storm that's coming in is about to hit. They're trying to get it done quickly. Um, they look in some of the open crates that are around and just see a bunch of building materials, mason materials. Um, Imogen asks, like, are y'all building something? And just silence. Uh, Ashton then comes across a crate that's identical to the one they came across in Gianna Hexum's place. And the name Treshy is stamped on the side. There's a few other Treshy crates as well. And the party starts to think that like maybe they're being tested. Uh, Imogen tries to discreetly open a crate with telekinesis, but it's locked. Uh, she then kind of like stumbles in and tries to like get someone to fall over with one to open it. But that also doesn't work. Um, Fern notices a symbol of like these three diamonds on the crates, but he, neither she nor Chetney knows anything about that. Um, so they finish loading up the crawler and Ratanish says, all right, sit tight wait for your orders tomorrow and um fcg actually detects thoughts on ratanish after asking like do you have any hobbies and he doesn't answer the question but in the detect thoughts fcg can see that he like enjoys making small jewelry um <clears throat> so the party then head back to their quarters and whip out the treshy spy ball and it says that the ring location is still outside of the camp so he never went to retrieve it um, they then say that this coming storm might be a great cover for sneaking him out of here. Uh, so the group wonder, where do we think the call is going with this mammoth crawler? Like, what is this mission that they're on? And Fern then brings up that symbol she saw, and Orem actually does know what that is and says it is the symbol of the server's assembly. Um, the group's like, okay, well, so what should our plan be? And um, Chetney's like, I can go invisible and check things out. And FCG um, actually whips out this item and has Chetney make this like metal brooch that he then gives to Chetney and says like, hey, uh, use this if you need to like charm anybody that tries to stop you while you're doing that. So Chetney's like, okay, going to go invisible. Meanwhile, though, Laudna and Ashton decide to venture out into the storm and go see if they can get Treshy's ring from that pawn shop. Um, so they head out. The storm's getting kind of crazy. There's like barely any visibility um, and as they head to the bank of renewal, which was the pawn shop, the shitty, the city's just like shut down. All the shops are shuttered and the cards closed. Um, so they arrive, they knock and they're quickly ushered in. The employees are like, what are you doing out in the storm? Like you can come wait in here. And 
they look around, they find the ring, and they find out it's 350 gold. So they're like, uh, can we haggle this down? But they fail, so they ultimately buy it for 350 gold and then leave to head back. Meanwhile, Chetney Invisible has made his way down toward the basement and has come across this locked gate. He manages to pick it, squeeze through, get down to the basement, and finds that there's six jail cells down there. Most of them are empty, but one of them has been retrofitted to be more of like a guest room. There's a chair, a bunch of bookshelves. It looks kind of nice, a bed and even a latrine. And inside, Armand Treshi is sitting down reading a book. Uh, two Paragon soldier guards are like patrolling this hallway and they go and actually check on him. They're like, anything you need? And, you know, he says no. So Chetney continues on and there's like a large iron vault door further down and he looks through it and there's like a guard shuffling cards inside. Um, he then realized like he can't deal with all of this himself. So he heads back up to the group and he arrives at about the same time that Ashton and Laudna do. So Chet brings everyone up to speed and Ashton brings up that those crates they saw um, with Treshy's name on it weren't Treshy's things. They were actually the same thing that he found in Gianna Hexum's. Uh, Lana's like, well, should we contact Gianna for information? And Ashton's like, eh, I don't know about that. Um, Orem suggests it's all probably tied to the Cerberus Assembly. You know, we saw that. We heard about this Ludinus Deleth fellow that was working with Odahan. Like, this, this is all connected. Um, Ashton says, there's actually three other people that might know what's in those crates besides Gianna, and I could potentially reach out to them. Suddenly, there's yelling from the hall, a call to arms. Soldiers are rushing through, donning armor as they're going, and they hear yelling that's saying, they're after the load, defend the load. And that's where the episode ends. So, a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, but yeah, that was episode 32 of Critical Role. Jeremy, great job. Uh, anyone that actually made it to this part in the video, thank you so much. Uh, you know, we will have, uh, back to our regularly scheduled programming here soon. Uh, it is Thursday, so we don't have to wait long for this new episode. Um, and yeah, I feel like I'm forgetting something I need to mention, but I think that's pretty much it. Again, if you're on that recap video, uh, not, I don't normally talk to a stuffed animal, so, you know. Check back next week. See what's actually going on. And uh, y'all have a fantastic. Uh, I, I, see, I'm lost. I'm lost without Blake. What do I? How do we even exit these videos? I don't know. Jeremy, thumbnail. Thanks, Jeremy. All right, y'all. <laughs> have a good one.